Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Maria Isabel Bueso was getting treatment in the Bay Area for this rare medical condition under this special immigration status. She was getting help here for years. Then, just last month, she got a deportation letter. Leaving the U.S. and not being able to have this medical treatment for Maria Isabel would be a death sentence for her. On Thursday, after Maria Isabel and other advocates pushed back, the immigration agency that sent her that letter said it would reverse course. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. The first time I read about Maria Isabel Bueso, I was on BART, and I was reading um, a story I saw in The Chronicle, and it was about her. Farida Javala Romero covers immigration for KQED. The story she read in the Chronicle was about Maria Isabel's life, struggling with a rare genetic disease called mucopolysaccharidosis, type 6, that affects about one in every 25,000 babies. And the story featured her graduation from college back in 2018. And it was that she had graduated top of her class from Cal State East Bay. You know, it's a story that stays with you because you're like, wow, this person, you know, is going through so many challenges in life and they they graduate from college and top of their class, you know. Yeah. Um, that was an, a couple of years ago. And so when I read her name, I was like, I wonder if it's the same the same woman. And it was. Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, Maria Isabel's name popped up in the news again. This time, it was because she's facing deportation, despite being here for treatment for her disease. She's 24 now, and when you meet her, I mean, this is someone who, because of this rare genetic uh, condition she was born with, uh, she's on a wheelchair. Yeah, so through the years, I becoming an advocate, you know, for MPS and for the rare disease community. Her stature is really short because the disease um, doesn't allow the spinal cord and the skeletal system to develop properly. She breathes with this device doctors put in uh, after a tracheotomy. And she's had to go through dozens of operations uh, to survive. I I lost track after a while. At the same time, I mean, this is someone who went to college. She graduated summa cum laude from Cal State East Bay recently. Uh, she became a dance instructor. Uh, she dances using, you know, the, the top part of her body on her wheelchair. I advocate for others because I love doing that and I'm passionate. But now I feel like I'm advocating for my own life. 
Maria Isabel and her family may have to leave their home in Concord where they've been living while she's been receiving treatment for her condition. The family's been living in the Bay Area for more than 15 years after moving from Guatemala where they didn't have the medicine that could treat her. Her mom, Carla, found out there were doctors in the Bay Area that were doing a clinical trial to find a treatment for Marisabel's condition. And this is a very rare genetic condition. So Carla got in touch with doctors at UCSF. In 2003, we got a call from the doctors saying that um, Isabel was going to be part of the second clinical trial. And that's basically why, why we came. And, and, you know, that took years. And you have to think about, you know, she was seven, and she, she talks about how it was really hard for her to be connected to an IV. You know, things like that, yeah. like having to go to the hospital a lot. Um, and at the time, they weren't guaranteeing that this nope. treatment was going to help her. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like the only option the family felt uh, that they had because doctors in Guatemala had told them that Maria Isabel was not going to live past age 10. We relocated. We made a life here. Isabel attended schools here. Uh, she went to college. She graduated summa cum laude. I'm sorry, I'm a proud mama. And she's been here since she was seven years old. How has the family been able to stay in the U.S. for the last 16 years? It's humanitarian protections called deferred action. A lot of the people who apply for these is for medical reasons. And it's sort of excruciatingly, you know, difficult circumstances where people need medical treatment in the U.S. Uh Most of the requests are not granted by um, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. With those protections come employment authorization for her family. So her dad works in an import-export business, um, and her mom is a full-time caregiver for Maria Isabel. They applied a couple of months ago for the relief, and they said they've received it many times in the past, and Maria Isabel's condition is you know, still the same, so... She relies um, on getting this renewed every two years. Exactly. Um, And so so they said it was a shock when they got a letter from U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, and it's dated August 13th. This year, uh, immigration denied that extension due to new policies, and um, we didn't uh, have any notice in advance that this was going to happen. Um, to be true, to be honest, I am I'm shocked. The letter said Maria Isabel and her family were no longer authorized to stay in the United States under deferred action for medical relief. The U.S. immigration agency said they had to leave the country in 33 days or face removal proceedings. The reason the agency gives is that they will no longer consider deferred action requests except those made for military families. Part of the shock for the family. It was, you know, like we we own a house here, like we've lived here for 16 years. What do you mean we have to leave in 33 days, you know? And and then like Maria Isabel needs that treatment to to survive and the medicine is not available in Guatemala, so they feel like leaving the US and not being able to have this medical treatment for Maria Isabel would be a death sentence for her. 
the Trump administration didn't even announce a change in the policy. They just started sending out these letters last month. That's when reporters and advocates started to pick up on what was happening. The way we start finding out about it is like, hey, this person who has a very legitimate reason in many people's eyes, you know, to to remain in the U.S. because if she leaves, she's going to (laughs) die. Yeah. People like her are getting these letters. There was a lot of confusion in the days that followed. Hundreds of people received these letters, and they didn't know if they'd have the chance to stay in the U.S. on this medical deferred action program. Why is this deferred action being threatened now when it's been around for so many years? Yeah, I mean, this obviously comes at a time when the Trump administration is issuing a lot of new policies or reworking policies to restrict new immigration, you know, people coming into the country or making it more difficult for people who weren't born in the U.S. There was a lot of public outcry over this policy change. Nurses at UCSF staged a protest on Maria Isabel's behalf. More than 100 members of Congress sent letters to USCIS and the Department of Homeland Security asking them to reverse their decision on medical deferred action. There is no justification for the incompetence of this decision, and there is no excuse for the recklessness displayed by our government in this whole affair. There was a hearing September 11 in Washington, D.C., and the whole point of the hearing was to find out why USCIS did this and what was going to happen to people moving forward. The administration decided to cast out some of the most vulnerable and defenseless people on earth, and there are families across America whose children would essentially be sentenced to death eventually by this stunningly harsh and cruel policy. The people that were called to testify were Marisabel Bueso. If I stopped taking the treatment, which I've been doing for 16 years, but if I stop getting the treatment um, that my body needs because it's missing, um, then I'm going to die. She said during the congressional hearing that it's not only about her, right? Like there's hundreds of other people who we know are in the same situation as her now with these denial letters and the risk of losing these protections, Um, but also people in the future. Because if the U.S. gets rid of this humanitarian relief, as we know it, then other people in the future won't be able to apply or get those, you know, in the way that she has. And so I, I feel like when you talk to her, you get a sense that a lot of what she does is not just for her. It's for other people as well. Yeah, I have a disease, but I've been opening doors for others, continue doing the clinical trial to help other people. But I think the hardest of my disease has been, you know, in the hospital all the time, doctor's appointment all the time, which is not normal for other my friends, but it's my life. There was a lot of frustration with the government representatives because um, the USCIS, you know, guy, Daniel Renaud, he didn't answer many, many questions, um, you know, about how officials there decided to end these protections. Why did all of this happen? Can either of you answer that, Mr. Renaud? Um, Unfortunately, um, we are not going to be able to answer that because of the ongoing litigation. Um, we're not able to respond. There were a lot of questions that were left unanswered. But Maria Isabel got that stage to tell her story. And she even got applause from uh, members of Congress and other people at the hearing. So I'm, I'm really, really blessed on that. 
it was really interesting to watch, you know, like like you said, this is like one of the policy changes that, you know, come in the midst of all these other changes that Trump administration is making on immigration. And for a lot of people who disagree with the change, it was a new low for the administration. Why, why did they feel like this was a new low? Because they see it as targeting sick children and immigrants in the country, like the most vulnerable people you could yeah. go after. I'd like to b- apologize to you on behalf of the United States of America for the dehumanizing policies that they are pursuing to, that are frankly targeting you and targeting many people in the United States. And we're fighting for a better country that we can be proud of when it comes to how we treat all people and understanding the circumstances that they are coming from. And I'd also like to recognize the intrinsic value that you have and offer to everybody that you On Thursday, a week after Maria Isabel told her story at that congressional hearing, the U.S. Immigration Services Agency sent a letter to Congress saying it would resume the Deferred Action Program. In some ways, Maria's case seems really unique in that she's here because she has this rare genetic disease. But also, like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't seem so far off from the reality that so many other immigrants are trying to come here and, and they're facing trying to escape the, the countries where they're coming from, where they're, they're escaping life or death situations. Right. But like in these cases, people are already, are already in the U.S., you know, and they've gotten these protections in the past. They've, they've had some type of lawful status, right? Like the government said they could stay here and get this medical treatment. And so to take that away, you know, and without much answers about why and without public notice or, you know, about it. It just, um, you know, that's a question I have. You know, why would the administration do that? For me to stay, you know, continue with all with my old medical care, you know, that I started from years ago, you know. So that way I can, you know, continue not just getting my treatment, but, you know, being monitored by my doctors and also do more clinical trials to help more people with the MPS community. Think about it, like this clinical trial that she went through for years actually led to a medicine that is approved now and in the market in the US. And she talked about how she was able to see babies that were diagnosed with the same disease that she has get the medicine. And she knew that because it's sort of a degenerative thing that they wouldn't have to deal with some of the same issues that she has like health-wise. So her presence in the country has already helped other people. And when she talks about the threat that she could lose her medical treatment and and die, she says, but I still have so many dreams and so many things I want to do. So it's, she doesn't think of her disease as something horrible. It, it's, she thinks of, about it as something that has allowed her to also help other people. Maria Isabel and her family still have to wait to see if their application for medical deferred action has been approved. Meanwhile, East Bay Congressman Mark Desanier says he's still moving forward with a private bill that would allow Maria Isabel and her family to remain in the U.S. and continue to receive treatment. Frida Javala Romero is an immigration reporter for KQED.
If you like the show, please let us know by tweeting at us. We're very accessible and we love hearing from you. We are at the Bay KQED. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps people find the show. Or better yet, tell a friend about us. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and editor Eric Aguilar. We got help this week from Angela Corral. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.